Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, so today, we are going to be uh, providing our predictions for which cards from Strixhaven School of Mages are going to see the most play in Commander. Um, but before you listen to this episode, we recommend you check out uh, the Wizard staff. They are releasing a couple episodes that we collaborated with them on. Uh, in which we went over all of the Commander 2021 pre-cons, talked about all the Commanders, all the new cards. So please go ahead and check out the Wizard staff, and you'll see a couple episodes where we, we uh, extend our set review onto their platform. But just to sort of talk about what we're doing today, with each set that comes out, we go over our predictions from the last major release, and then we provide our new predictions on what the top 10 most played cards are going to be on EDH rec according to number of copies seeing play in decks. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to be going over our predictions from Kaldheim and see how we did. And then we're going to give you our predictions for Strixhaven. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. All right, uh, with that, let's get into our predictions from Kaldheim. Uh, Zach, what, did, what were your top 10? What did you think was going to see the most adoption in this format? So, in kind of no particular order, the Snow Duels, we're just going to group them all into one batch of 10 instead of having a top 10 that's just Snowlands. Tybalt's Trickery, Toski, Bearer of Secrets, Burgie and Harnfeld, the red modal double face card, uh, the world tree, Goldspan Dragon, Realm Walker, Vorinclex, Monstrous Raider, Graven Lore, and Burning Rune Demon. Uh, Nick, what were your predictions? So uh, my predictions were Tybalt's Trickery, Tusky Bearer of Secrets, Vorinclex, Monstrous Raider, the Common Snow Duels, Realm Walker, Burgie and Harnfell, Doomscar. Burning Rune Demon, Blood on the Snow, and the World Tree. Uh, so let's take a look at what the actual top 10 cards were from Kaldheim. Um, mm -hmm. So a couple surprises here. Uh, I think let's just, let's just discuss them as I list them out, I think. Yes. Yeah, that seems fine. Okay. So number one most adopted card, according to EDH Rec, is Raven Form. So this is the two and a blue sorcery. Uh, you can foretell it and then cast it for a single blue. Exile, target, artifact, or creature, and its controller creates a 1-1 bird token with flying. This was definitely a surprise to me. I, I yeah. think that uh, this is pretty slow for spot removal in Commander. Yes. Um, it doesn't look very good compared to existing options like Pongify or Rapid Hybridization. Like the ability to exile artifacts is new. Um, that isn't a novelty, but it's not like blue couldn't answer artifacts before. <laughs> you just had to like counter them. Yeah, I think this this kind of plays into the nature of the format. And kind of looking down at some of the picks, I think there's some things that we underestimated with some of the other picks. I think with this pick, I think it comes from people like shying away from counters and casual metas mm -hmm. is my guess because i'm i'm assuming uh wink wink nudge nudge spoiler there's going to be another card that's going to be 
pretty popular because this card is became pretty popular um as like a, a post answer and after it's been cast answer yeah um, i wouldn't be surprised if uh, a lot of the people who put raven form into their decks perhaps switch over to uh <laughs> a maybe better option yes yeah. uh, but let, let's not uh let's not yeah we'll get there spoiler it just yet yeah um, all right, so next on the list we have the Pathways. So the remaining four Pathways were printed in Kaldheim. These are the modal double-faced lands that tap for one color on one side and the other on the other side. I, I think I am maybe just like underestimated the value of these, or maybe like I underestimated how much people they would appeal to people. Personally, I kind of feel like the Pathways I could aren't take as... Them or leave them. Yeah, they, they, yeah, to me, they aren't as good as a lot of the other dual options dual land options we have in the format just because you're giving up the ability to cast or to use it for both colors of mana over the course of the game but what are your thoughts on the pathways i think the pathways are um they're like a cheap option for people so i think that's part of it Mm -hmm. i also think that sometimes when things are good in like professional magic circles they bleed into commander whether they deserve to or not Mm -hmm. um and the pathways are some of the best duels we've gotten for like modern or standard in a really long time where you really need either red or blue turn one in modern or you really need either like black or green turn one in modern you know what i mean like i think what happens is some of that carries into commander and we've seen that with other rares other other things people like try to force into commander play even though better options exist kind of yeah that's what i think we're saying here like that that makes perfect sense to me um i definitely think that like because commander is a format where the games go longer having it be give you exactly the color you need on turn one isn't as important as like how it's going to perform for you over the course of the game yeah so i I can see why people are gravitating to these. They're definitely cheap at the moment. Um, yeah. And I'm sh- and that certainly is a lot more appealing than, say, like, you know, the, the ally color pain lands or whatever, like $10 these days. Yeah, um, which blows my mind. I cannot yeah. believe that at this point. I know. It's so crazy that they've reprinted the enemy color pain lands a billion times and they're like a dollar or two each, but they've hardly touched the ally color one i don't fully understand that i don't don't get it all right uh do you want to read the next uh in the list number three yeah so number three from call time was mystic reflection um this one actually uh surprised me because i i think i i it was a zach notable card because i was like i love this card but i don't see it getting <laughs> highly adopted <laughs> and i maybe i'll trust my gut a little bit more now so mystic reflection is the um it's the instant the blue instant um you can foretell it um for two mana at any point on your turn uh but what it says is choose target non-legendary creature the next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn they enter as copies of the chosen creature and the foretell cost is one blue so Overall, you'll spend more mana over the course of the game foretelling it, but you can kind of, it's easier to leave up one blue than it is to leave up two. Mm-hmm. This is really cool. I um, 
have yet to put it in a deck myself, ironically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I just haven't been building uh, that many blue tokeny lists lately, but I think this card's awesome, and apparently the rest of the world did too. Yeah, this is um, really surprising to me. It seems like its applications are kind of narrow. Yes. Uh, there's sort of the two things you can do with it is like if you have an Avenger of Zendikar or a Deep Forest Hermit or something similar, you can uh, greatly increase the number of, of bodies. Like you can turn that canned army into a canned, I don't know, battalion, like a real, yeah. you know, just like instead of getting seven plant tokens, you're getting seven more Avengers, each with seven plant tokens, that kind of thing. But that's basically like a two card combo that doesn't win you the game in. <laughs> Uh, and also just like, uh, and you know, mystic reflection doesn't do a whole lot on its own. And, and if you want to use it defensively, there's this alternative use case where, um, you know, someone's casting their commander and you're making it come in as a copy of a sapperling token to sort of like lock it down and make it so they can't use their commander. But that's also relatively narrow and you're on color for like, counter spell like which you would cast at the same time as stuff can answer anything so i just i do not really understand why this card is seeing so much play yeah i think uh it got a lot of traction on twitter uh in the same way that a card that we'll talk about in the wizard staff commander preview episode kind of got a lot of talk on twitter mm-hmm. and i think that might be driving it to people who are just like oh i'm gonna give this a shot gonna try this out um but other than that i i couldn't really guess like it it just seems like a funny blue card but do you want to get into the next one yes uh so the next one is realm walker um this is in 1611 decks this was on my list it was on your list as well this is yeah. our our first hit so I, I think it makes sense for all the reason we, we said last time when we did our predictions. Um, it looks like a card that already sees a fair amount of play with Vizier of the Menagerie. It's cheaper. It slots into a lot of tribal decks really easily. Uh, I think it's um, easy inclusion in the format and not surprised to see it here. Yep. And then coming in after that is also a card that doesn't surprise either of us. This is Toski Bearer of Secrets. Um, Toski is the one-one squirrel. They cost four mana, three in a blue. Uh, sorry, <laughs> three in a green. Uh, they are one-one. They can't be countered. They're indestructible. They have to attack every combat. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, you draw a card. So, uh, yeah, uh, seems good. <laughs> yeah, this is another one that just like looks like an existing card that's relatively popular. Mm. Um, Oren Frostfang sees plenty of play, yes. uh, and this is just an upgrade in several ways. I mean, not getting the the death touch is definitely a downside, but it's just so hard to answer Toski. Yeah, um, it's cheaper. Oh, I do want to say it doesn't. It's not Planeswalkers. Uh, it is just players. So oh, there's right. a little there's a choice there. But yeah, you're right. It just it, the death touch kind of hurts, but just the fact that it you can't ever kill it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so it's big game yeah uh, all right next on the list of most adopted cards from call time we have tybalt's trickery uh, this is currently in 1535 decks uh, this is the red sort of like chaos warp style counter spell um, and i am not surprised to see it here 
if, like the only surprise really is is that it's not seeing play in even more decks because it's such a unique effect. Um, it's so good. I've definitely, uh, you know, just playing it on Arena, I've definitely used this on an Ugin to great effect. I don't know what your experience with the card has been like. It's It's been good. I, I have not actually played it as much as I thought I would, but that's more because I've been testing other things. But the the games that I end up playing a Tibble's Trickery, it's always been like, wow, I'm going to win now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so which is good. Yeah, not not a surprise there. This next one though, I uh, was not expecting at all. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is Varagoth Blood Sire, or sorry, Blood Sky Sire. Uh, it's currently in fourteen hundred and sixty-two decks, and this is the two and a black, um, the Demon Rogue. It's got boast that allows you to put a card from your library or search your library for a card, put it on top, um, and it has Death Touch why do you think this is on here? Because uh, I'm not <laughs> super high on this card. Uh, I wasn't super high on this card. I know that like people like tutoring, even though they complain about it. Um, like Tutors are run pretty often because mm. they help your deck work. So my initial guess would have been that, but I think you did some digging and found some decks that might be pumping up the numbers a little bit, right? Yeah, so I, I can account for a little bit of this. Um, about 20% of the the decks that are running Varagoth Blood Sky Sire are either Anawan Rogues or Yuriko, both of which it kind of makes sense in. Like, yeah. it is a rogue, and because like your Anawan deck is going to be drawing cards, you can like boast with Blood Sky Sire, connect with your guys, uh, you know, mill, and presumably draw one or more cards to get the card you wanted immediately into your hand. Um, and then with Yuriko, because she cares about like the top flipping the top card of your library and making your opponents lose a bunch of life. Um, Varagoth is useful there because he's a little bit annoying to block in that he's got death touch. And so you can attack with him, boast him, put something really big and scary on top of your library, ninjutsu him if you want to, and then like flip your, your nine or 10 cost thing uh, with one of your Yuriko triggers. Yeah, so both of those make sense to me, but the I think I think really it's even though people complain about tutors, they play them. <laughs> they play them anyway. I think that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, it's just surprising to me because it's like so slow. It telegraphs itself, um, and yeah, I, you know, blocking a creature with death touch is unpleasant, but I'm still gonna do it if that creature tutors every turn. Yeah, I think that's really what it is. Is like people. People try to force magical Christmas land onto the world and like a creature where you tutor for the exact thing you need every turn. Yeah. Is is pretty magical Christmas <laughs> land. So that's uh, here that's the world we live in. Mm -hmm. But coming in at number eight, we have a card that uh ironically neither of us saw coming. Yep. It's saw it coming. It's um the foretell counterspell. It's cancel on the front side, one blue blue counter target spell. Uh, you can foretell it for two on your turn, and you can cast it for its foretell cost of one and a blue uh, after that. It, that's it. <laughs> I, I, this does not make any sense to me at all. <laughs> no. I, so the thing about Saw It Coming that I've been trying to process like when I saw this was... Um, there. Well, I guess there's Mystic Reflection and Saw It Coming. 
So I would have expected more Fortel cards to be in these top cards because people are treating Fortel a lot like Morph, mm-hmm. where like you want there to be multiple so they don't know which one it is. Honestly, I, like in limited maybe, but like e- with Morphs it was more important because like it could be a Willbender, or it could be a three four lifelink, or it could be like a one one that when it takes damage it makes a bunch of insects like. With Morph, it was more important. Like, there's so few ways to interact with spells on the stack that it was probably smart to go, like, in limited. Oh, I shouldn't attack with my, like, 4-4 because it might be the thing that deals 4 damage to a tapped creature. Who cares in Commander? Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't actually care in Commander. Like, if you have a foretell card, and I know it's Doomscar because the only card in your spell... Like... I'd also be playing around Doomscar if it was in your hand, probably, you know? Like, I play yeah. around Wraths if I'm a Magro deck. Exactly, I like, I don't want to anyway. commit to the board, yeah. Yeah, just because I see a foretell card doesn't make me go, oh, it could be a counterspell or uh, the board wipe. Like, the amount of value you gain from that is so small, <laughs> so I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, I, I totally feel the same way. Um, I just uh, don't really understand why... Uh, I don't really understand why we're, this is seeing so much play. Like, yeah. as I mentioned earlier, Counterspell is legal in this format. Uh, <laughs> Arcane Denial yeah. is legal. Delay is legal. Memory um, Lapse. Ar- yeah, Arcane Denial. Yeah, there's there's so many two-mana Counterspells you could be playing uh, mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. don't see the benefit of one that like costs three on its face, and you could pay two mana to get the benefit of casting it for two mana. <laughs> like, I know. Also, uh, what the... Um... I play it all the time. The dismissive stroke. What's the disdainful counter- stroke? Disdainful stroke. Like yeah. that card is so good in commander. Like most of the spell. Like if you're in a counter war, yeah, it's bad. But as most people are casual. Most people are gonna like counter the wrath or counter the X spell. You know, like it just. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. Um. All right. What Speaking is- of not understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I do understand. I see. This is Christmas land to me, but this next card is Replicating Ring. That's the three mana artifact. Oh, sorry. Three mana snow artifact. Every upkeep. Uh, sorry. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a uh, drip counter. What did they call it? Um, you put a counter on it, and uh, once it has eight Wait, counters. Counter? <laughs> uh, a night counter. Uh. Oh, a night counter. Oh, because it's the story. Okay, whatever. Um so at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a knight counter on Replicating Ring. Once it has eight counters on it, you remove all the counters and make eight uh, Replicating Rings that don't have that trigger on it. <laughs> so you uh, all of a sudden have a ton of mana and it uh, taps for a mana of any color. So it's a three mana rock, taps for a mana of any color. Nine turns later, you get eight more of them. Um, it, it sure is a three mana rock, you know? Yeah, this uh, getting <laughs> this to go off seems like magical Christmas land. Uh, yeah. Like, there's so many two mana rocks in this format that you should just be playing instead. Like, eight turns is an eon in Commander. Like, yeah. you know, if you look at the data provided by the Command Zone, like, they analyzed all that gameplay data. And I think that the average game length was like, what, 11, 12 turns, somewhere around there. So yeah. if you. I mean, even if you cast this on turn three, the game is probably going to be over before you get your counters or like yeah. get enough counters to get your rings. 
so this this kind of brings it in because the next uh next card if we can talk about that uh I, the point i want to make is tied to it because number 10 on the list is the snow duels mm-hmm. um they they made it under the top 10 who would have thought a little interesting tidbit the soul thailands saw a lot more representation than the others uh, and that kind of brings me to the point I wanted to talk about where I think why Replicating Ring and the Snow Duels and um, all these cards are seeing the play, like being pushed up, is that people wanted to play Snow Lists. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the obvious one, the obvious reason the Snow du- the snow Duels and Sultai would go up is because of Jorn, uh, God of Winter. Uh, he doesn't have that many decks on EDH rec currently. He only has 380 decks on EDH rec. So that doesn't account for all of this play. But what I think accounts for a lot of it is that, um, like black, green, green, blue, um, are colors that people play a lot because of Sultai. Sultai is probably one of the most popular, like wedges of commander, Mm -hmm. And they didn't have good dual land options. Like the these are the second best dual lands after the oh third best after the the shocks. Mm-hmm. Like so, if you wanted to fetch for more lands, you were getting basics up until this point. Um, I think that's that's I think the biggest reason for these being up higher. Um, People just wanted to play with snow, so replicating ring is here. These duels are here. Um, yeah, that yeah. definitely makes a lot of sense. There just haven't been a lot of good good dual land options for enemy colors. Um, a, a problem which Strixhaven has failed to not address. <laughs> not, <addressed. laughs> not answered. Yeah. Um, but if you don't, so that that rounds out our top ten. Uh, those are, with the snow duels. I also just want to like uh, read like the, the eleven and twelve here, just to give ourselves a little bit of credit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We'll, we'll call this partial credit. But number yeah. eleven on the list is the World Tree, uh, which both of us predicted would would get into the top ten. Uh, and then number twelve is Burgi and Harnfell, which was also on both of our lists. So. Uh, if you if you you're willing to move the goalposts a little bit, um, I got six out of ten. Uh, and then mm-hmm. how many did you get overall? I got one, two, three, four, five, five out of ten. So, oh, uh, or five out of twelve. <laughs> or 12. Actually, I think you got six out of twelve too. If we move the goalposts, um, yeah. So. Uh, not an excellent showing for us this time. Um, yeah. Th- to be fair, that was a, we, I, we even said like, this is weird and we don't know <laughs> yeah. what people are going to do. So I think this really shows that like Kaldheim was um, just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. One, one thing I, I definitely want to like bring up because I think it will um, sort of change how we calibrate our answers in the future is mm-hmm. both of us had Vorinclex on our lists, and uh, just because, like, oh, it's you know, it looks like a doubling season, and doubling season is wildly popular. Um, but as of the time we're recording, Vorinclex is currently forty dollars, so that likely has, uh, yeah, has a big impact on whether or not it gets adopted. If it was a three to five dollar card, 
I'm sure it would have broken into the top 10. Yeah. I think even $10, I think $10 mythics will still break the top 10 as we've seen, but I think that's the same with Goldspan Dragon. Like the numbers are like close, but almost there. And that card um, at the time of recording is show me the money $20. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, mythics are expensive these days. But uh, I think, yeah, do you want to shift into the Strixhaven predictions, which are also pretty buck wild? Yes, uh, but before we do, I, I realized I've been recording off of my webcam, my, my audio. All right, uh, moving on to our Strixhaven predictions. Uh, number one on my list is Resculpt. Uh, this is the one in a blue for an instant exile target artifact or creature, and then its controller creates a 4-4 red and blue elemental creature token. Just based off the fact that Raven Form was the number one most adopted card in Call Time, <laughs> and this yeah. is significantly better, uh, I think it's fair to say that this is going to see plenty of adoption. Number two on my list is Solve the Equation. This is two and a blue for a sorcery. Search your library for an instant or sorcery card, put into your hand, then shuffle. Um, this is just like a good staple effect. It's the kind of card that you're surprised hasn't existed already for years. Um, and Comparing it to like some of the existing options in the format, Mystical Tutor is currently $20 and still sees play in 60,000 decks. Uh, this is definitely less efficient. It's not going to be um, probably going to, it's probably not going to see as much play in like CEDH circles. But yeah. in terms of just like helping you get the spell that's important for your deck to function, uh, I think think it'll see a lot of play it'll also be cheap because it's only an uncommon so that is going to help its adoption yep uh, number three is reduced to memory uh, this is actually a lesson card and it's one white white uh, for a sorcery exile target non-land permanent its controller creates a three two red and white spirit creature token um, so this is definitely much worse than generous gift i won't uh i won't excuse it but it is also a very i mean it just looks a lot like a vindicate or a maelstrom pulse just something sorcery speed that answers something like kind of no frills um it exiles it too which is potentially an advantage over those other two cards and and as we've seen many times before in commander uh giving away a, a you know moderately sized token is not much of a downside it's not going to prevent this card from seeing play Next on my list, I've got Semester's End. So this is three and a white for an instant. Um, and it's basically a ghost way that allows you to choose, well, exile any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers you control. At the beginning of the next end step, return each of them to the battlefield under its owner's control. Each of them enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature and an additional loyalty counter on it if it's a planeswalker. Eerie Interlude is a very popular card. It sees play in 14,000 decks. Semester's End is similar. It's one mana more expensive, but it also is compatible with Planeswalkers. It gives uh, you a buff on your creatures and Planeswalkers. And it's also useful in dodging board wipes. So I think this is going to see a fair amount of play. I've also got Archmage Meritus. This is two blue-blue uh, for a 2-2 two -two human wizard. And it's got Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant sorcery spell, draw a card. This is just a very, very powerful combo engine. There's so many Spellslinger decks in the format. I really would not be surprised to have this see a, a fair amount of play. 
I've also got Rowan, Scholar of Sparks. She mostly for the cost reduction effect. I don't think her loyalty abilities are all that important. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but just, you know, uh, Goblin Electromancer sees a ton of play. Baral sees a ton of play. And Rowan, even though like we've just had the pre-release, the set isn't even out yet. Uh, she's not really commanding much of a price. Um, so I wouldn't be too surprised if she ended up as like a, a $5 planeswalker. So like pretty affordable for most people to pick up. Uh, and it's there's just a lot of decks that could use that kind of cost reduction effect. I've also got on my list the Snarls. These are sort of completing the the port town Shadows over Innistrad cycle of lands. You know, as we mentioned before, if you're in enemy colors, there's just not a lot of good options for fixing. So I think people will consider playing these, especially because like they are bad. These are not very <laughs> yeah. good. Um, but they're better than like guild gates. So they're probably going to be pretty cheap and easy to pick up and that'll make mm-hmm. it so you can uh, find copies for your decks. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say, cause I don't have the snarls on mine, but I do want to say that like I'll run the fast lands and enemy colors sometimes just because I want more <laughs> mm-hmm. consistency. So I can totally see that being the case here. Yeah. Um, on my list, I also have the campuses. Um, these are the tapped lands. They tap for one mana of either of your your enemy colors. And they also have four tap scry one. So unless you're running like Maze's End or, or Circuitous Route, there's not a whole lot of advantage to running gates over these. And a lot of people are running the gates. So I think that these are probably just going to replace the guild gates as... Um, budget mana options in a lot of people's decks. Uh, all right, number nine on my list, I have Storm Kiln Artist. This is uh, the four mana red creature. It's a 2 2 dwarf shaman, and it has Magecraft, create a treasure token. So, this is another powerful combo enabler. There's a lot of Spellslinger decks. Uh, this slots into them really easily. There's also been a lot of focus on treasure recently. Um, so, I wouldn't be surprised if this sees a fair amount of adoption as well. Uh, and then finally, coming in at number 10, I have Decisive Denial. And this is blue-green for an instant. Counter-target, well, choose one. Counter-target non-creature spell unless its controller pays three. Or uh, basically have target creature you control fight target creature and opponent controls. This is just a really flexible answer. It's cheap, it's efficient, and it's in a very popular color identity. Definitely being multicolor like limits the number of decks it can go into and is going to have an effect on its adoption overall, but I think it's still a very good card. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that, uh, that I mean, that's pretty concise. Should I go over, do you want to go uh, over your notable emissions before I, I get into mine? Yeah, really quick. Um, there were a couple of cards that I, I are like, you know, my 11 and 12s like things that might Mm -hmm. get there but uh didn't really make the cutoff for top 10 i think introduction to annihilation is just like a really flexible option for you know either monocolor decks or um colorless decks that want to be able to deal with problematic permanent types like if you're in a red deck and you need to deal with an enchantment you might consider running this um even despite the fact that it costs five mana and it gives them the card and it's sorcery speed like if you're really desperate it's still better than you know a spine of ishsa or a scour of existence for 
getting something out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my my last notable omission is Vanishing Verse. Um, this is the exile. It's white and a black for an instant exile target, uh, monocolored permanent. So I think that this is just probably like the fourth or fifth best option for this kind of effect in black white. Like you're not running it over anguish and making or generous gift or D spark. Um, so if you're digging down really deep for, you know, sort of like a, a mortify plus plus, um, then you might run this, but it's, you know, I'm not even entirely sure it cracks the top five for just like cheap (laughs) removal. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. But but go ahead and tell us your top 10. What do you think is going to see the most adoption out of Strixhaven? Mm -hmm. So uh, I was like, oh, finally a set where I'm not matched up with Nick that much. And then I was actually pretty matched up with Nick. (laughs) So my first one is different, though. My first one I'm going to say is Pilgrim of the Ages. This is the uh, 2-1 spirit for three in white gets you a planes to your hand and you can pay six to bring it back to your hand from the graveyard. I think that with all of the new white land tech, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, listen to the C21 episode, um, stuff like this is going to be pretty popular. So I'm, I'm putting this on my list. Um, Archmage Emeritus, uh, much the same reason that Nick said, same with uh, Will and Rowan, which is my number three. Um, solve the equation which is next re-sculpt after that for all the reasons Nick said, uh, I'm going to not learn my lesson from Vorinclex and I'm going to say that Liliana, um, Oh, sorry, professor Onyx, Mm. um, is going to be on my top 10 because I think, uh, basically, (laughs) basically I think me and Nick had the same idea where like there are some cards that we felt pretty strongly about and then two cards, like two slots that we didn't feel so strongly about. My two spots are uh, Professor Onyx and Witherbloom Apprentice. I think people are going to try to do that combo. We saw this with like Vito, Vito Thorn of the Dusk Rose. Ah, there we go. Yes. Uh huh. I knew it was something with because Dusk Rose is um, Alenda. uh, Alenda. Um, But yeah, I think that people are just going to go in on the combo because as much as they, uh, like with Varagoth, people say they don't like tutoring and then do it anyway. Uh, people say they don't like combos and then they do it anyway. <laughs> so that's going to be my next two slots for them. Campuses, I think they're just a great budget alternative. They're not something I'm going to do, mm-hmm. but if I uh, if I was someone who just didn't have that much money to spend on mana, ma- if I was someone who just didn't have that much money to spend on magic cards and I wanted to play with my friends, I would put some campuses in my deck and I probably wouldn't notice that much mm-hmm. of a difference you know um unless they were like really really high tier upper echelons of play but uh, i'm gonna say rip apart after that uh for the same reason that you are kind of talking about um vanishing verse um which i also think is very good mm-hmm. i think rip apart might see a decent amount of play just because it's like the third or fourth best <laughs> um boros kill spell it's super versatile it hits a lot a lot a lot of things so I'm assuming people are going to play it. And then uh, mine's going to be Quintorius. I think that the Lorehold list... Um, oh, Quintorius is my last one. Uh, so this is the elephant for five mana. There are two, four. Your spirits get plus one, plus O. Oh, and whenever you uh, have a card leave your graveyard, you make a three, two spirit creature token uh, that's red and white. Um, it's like Tormod, but 
Boros and it plays with a whole suite of different cards and it plays with them really well and really fun. Uh, it could be like a role player in uh, like spell decks that want to like get things out of their graveyard or cast flashback things out of their graveyard. It could be its own thing in a lore hold list. It could be uh, part of it, it. He slots into enough things that I think he's going to see enough play to be on this list. So um, I yeah, that's that's it. I'm not going to keep people too much longer. Um, I think at this point, let us know if you uh, agree, disagree, what you think will be in the top 10. Um, and then, uh, then we'll and then we'll check our predictions in a, in a couple months. Yeah, in, in three months. And uh, again, listen to the, uh, we'll have it in the show notes, the uh, link to the Wizard Staff uh, C21 set review. Um, and yeah, just uh, enjoy, enjoy Strixhaven. I know that we, we will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, uh, I want to, Thank uh, Guy and Blake for having us on the Wizard Staff podcast. Um, please go check it out. A couple of very fun episodes. And of course, if you want to get our take on C21, that's the best place to do it. Um, with that, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Eamon, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Char- Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kydell, Jeremy, Russell, Troy, Dylan, Walter, Leo, Ian, John, John, Tom, Kevin, Roxanne, and Brian. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you are not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.